You know there's a way for nurses to start a business, but there's so many moving pieces. Cut through the crap. It's time to go right to the source and get real about what's working in business and marketing for nurses with your host, the founder of Nursepreneurs, Katie Harris. Hi, it's Katie Harris, and this is an episode of the Nursepreneurs Podcast. Today, we have Grace Marin on with us from PX Coaching. So very excited to have you on here with us, Grace. Thanks for being here. Thank you, Katie. I really appreciate the opportunity to be on your podcast. Great. So why don't you tell us a little bit about you and your nursing background? Sure. Uh, let's see. It's, I stopped counting. I think I've been a nurse for about 33 years. <laughs> After a certain point in your career, you're like, okay, that's enough. Um, so I, I actually started in a step-down cardiac uh, unit right out of school because, of course, in nursing school, you're always told to start on a med search floor, but I really didn't love it. And so after about a year, I had an opportunity to transition into the NICU, neonatal ICU. And so I thought at that point, that's it. I'm going to retire, you know, as a NICU nurse. That's all I ever wanted. You know, I just really... Um, felt like I found my calling. And uh, 21 years later, after being at the bedside and transitioning into my first leadership role from the bedside, I uh, had an opportunity to be a clinical program manager, which basically is a glorified educator uh, specific to patient experience. So at the time, it was a new uh, buzzword we didn't really know it was going to take off the way it did. So it was like 2009. Wandered into patient experience. Um, there was no guidebook. There was no roadmap. Nobody knew what we were doing. And we just kind of um, started with compassionate communication as being the core of what impacted patient experience. And I didn't really understand that even then until I started to really see things from the patient's perspective. Uh, as a nurse, we often get really myopic in terms of, well, this is what it's supposed to be, this is how it is. Unless you've been on the other side of that bed, unless you've been a family member of someone who is really ill. Uh, certainly as a NICU nurse, my uh, emotional support went to the parents and really helping new parents to bond um, and also grieving, et cetera. Uh, so that sort of morphed again into uh, coaching. And so I didn't even know that you could coach outside of a sporting <laughs> uh, arena. I really thought coaching was really just for um, athletes. And so when my new boss told me that, you know, she was going to make me the director of coaching, I was like, okay, what does that mean? And this is over seven hospitals. So going from- You can figure it out. <laughs> yeah, exactly, exactly. And so she's like, I think you'd be a good coach. I'm like, I don't even know what that means. So um, I kind of just wung it, wing it. Is there a past tense of <laughs> winging it? I don't know. <laughs> winging it. And I started to do things intuitively to do the things that I thought made sense. And we as nurses do that anyway, right? We make all kinds of things with surgical tape, with tongue depressors. <laughs> we invent things, but we never really take credit for it. And we're also often not acknowledged for our brilliance. 
And so I did this, um, I made a makeshift simulation lab from an empty patient room when I was teaching at the moment around hourly rounding. And everything that I had learned and, and studied about hourly rounding felt very plastic and it didn't really coincide with the workflow of nurses and nursing assistants. And so when I was doing this whole simulation modeling where two people would be in the room with me, one person would be the patient, they'd wear a patient gown, the other person would be the nurse or nursing assistant, and I'd give them some scripting words, but told them to be as natural as they wanted to be, and really um, a moment to act, really. And what was fascinating about that was the majority of people that I did the simulation lab with had never been a patient or been in a patient bed. So it was a light bulb moment, like every single person who walked in, some people got very teary. They felt very vulnerable, even though there's nothing wrong with them. It felt very vulnerable to be in that patient bed. Uh, I also taught nurse leaders how to round with patients as a nurse leader. And some people push back, as you can imagine. Uh, but this one particular person, I, I was shocked she pushed back because she would always say yes to everything to me. And she's like, I don't need this. This is a waste of my time. You know, the cynical nurse. And I said, just do me the favor of at least role modeling for your team. Just if not for you, for them. And she did. And she was like her face changed. And she said, I did not know how my daily rounding looked until I was on the other side of the bed. I'm going to be rounding very differently going forward. And she was a changed woman. And eventually, you know, she really took all those points and leveraged what she learned and saw how doing those little things that mount to big things and how that, um, you know, dotted line goes into the metrics. So really feeling like you have control over the metrics versus being punished by the metrics. So yeah, so she ended up becoming a director and she really learned how to um, empower her team to not be um, you know, abused by the data. Wow, that's, that's really, really powerful. And that must have felt so good too for you um, <laughs> to, yeah. to see that transformation. Um, sure. Because I, I would say like I have been on the other side of being in the, and it's like, there's something about that hospital gown. Like as soon as they put you mm -hmm. in it, you feel like little or something. Um, yeah. People start talking to you like you're little. Mm -hmm. uh, and I was in the hospital last year and it was like, you know, they'd say, hey, hon, honey. Yeah. Um, you know, uh, and nobody actually made eye contact with me. Mm -hmm, and I was kind mm -hmm. of like, is mm -hmm. it the gown? Is it me? Mm -hmm. You know, I felt like they were making eye contact with me when I had regular clothes on. But mm -hmm. as soon as you make that switch over, it's crazy. Yeah. Um, Okay, so then uh, you're the director of coaching um, at that point. Uh, then what happened? Yeah, so I did that for several years. I really made a huge impact with my small and mighty team across seven hospitals, um, really making an impact in one hospital specifically who was doing poorly. And I'll just be really vulnerable with you. It was not easy because there's a lot of politics involved um, and things were just you get to a point in your career, you're like, you love what you do, but where you do it doesn't really float your boat. So I had an opportunity to um, be the 
assistant VP for patient experience in another hospital. So I took that opportunity in a smaller hospital. I thought that I could really make an impact coming from a seven hospital system, right? And so um, then there were, like with everything, politics involved. And you can't, you can't get it. Once you go up to a certain point on the food chain in administration and hospitals, it's really, really hard. And uh, I think most people know that people in the C-suite and the VP arena, they don't last very long, usually, especially in a very competitive area. So I kind of looked at myself and said, what do I want to do when I grow up? Really? And that was, you know, I was in my late forties at the time or early fifties, no early fifties. And so I got to the point where I was like, if I'm going to do something, I have to do it now because I ain't getting any younger. (laughs) So I, at that point, I actually had never um, had a coach for myself. So I decided to hire a coach for myself and be the recipient of coaching. And it was so life transforming. I thought I want to do that. I mean, I was doing that, you know, with, within my job, but I wasn't doing it from a place of looking at the whole person. I was coaching for specific metrics for specific things versus coaching that from a holistic standpoint. So um, my ideal client are the people who first make that transition from bedside to management. Uh, They're the most vulnerable in my opinion. And also they are the powerhouse of any organization, middle management, yet they do not get any uh, resources and they're often left kind of like sink or swim and often feel demoralized when they can't, you know, meet the metrics. And so having been through that myself, I have such a high degree of compassion for them. Yeah. I mean, and the game is kind of set up so that they can never make it, you know, it's like they task them with making change, but Mm -hmm. don't empower them to make change. So it's kind of like, you know, yeah, (laughs) (laughs) well, your, your hands are tied behind your back. You know, you're told to do all these things without any resources, human or money. And, um, you know, I, what's hard is most hospitals don't have a budget for that kind of coaching. And so it's just starting my business in 2019. It has definitely been an uphill battle to find the people who are going to fund this very important piece of work. Cause to be honest, nurses, we do not invest in ourselves. Uh, once you receive what coaching is like, you're, you'll pay anything for it, but until you experience it and understand the value most people don't take that plunge for themselves. Yeah, oh, definitely. Uh, and I would be the first to say that because even throughout my, my nursing career, and you know, I always felt like I had to do everything myself. And mm-hmm. if somebody helped me, then I don't know, I was uh, whatever, less of a person or whatever. But then I got yeah. my first taste of coaching. And since then, you know, I probably have spent like close to $100,000 on coaching. Yes. Worth it. <laughs> oh, 100%. And during the pandemic, actually, when uh, my main client in California, I couldn't fly. So I was stuck with all of a sudden, again, <laughs> a period of no income and scary as all hell, you know, just really not knowing what was, what I was going to do. And even though it didn't make any sense, I thought I need to spend the money to make sure to position myself when the pandemic is over, that I'm not depressed and <laughs> in a hole. 
So I hired a business consultant uh, or coach who specifically um, his background is marketing. Uh, he really helped me to conceptualize uh, creative work because I've never been taught how to do any of this stuff. This is all new stuff that, you know, it, again, starting from scratch again and feeling like a small fish in an ocean. Uh, so yeah, it does take a, a lot of courage and faith. And uh, my, one of my new favorite quotes is by an author. Her name is Anne Lamott. Uh, she's just this very funny and um, creative writer, strong points. And she says that courage is basically fear, um, fear bathed in prayer, something like that. And so courage is fear, but pushing through the fear. Yes. Yeah. So I was going to say something, you know, because I've heard something similar in the same way, it, you know, courage is uh, being afraid and doing it anyway. <laughs> yes. Yes. Because yeah. it's never good. It's never going to be perfect. And, you know, being an ICU nurse, I kind of like perfection. I kind of like order. Uh, but in the world of entrepreneurship, there is no such thing as permanence. And there's no such thing as it's going to go just this way. Uh, it may work in a season in a certain way, but you have to always be, from my experience, fluid to be able to sway as the need changes. And, and look where we are, you know, we're in our third year of the pandemic and work life looks different for every industry. Absolutely. Um, so at what point you started your business in 2019, when did you decide, or was there a moment um, where you're like, I can do this, I'm definitely gonna do it. And, you know, you signed up for your business or do you remember that day or was it? Oh yeah, <laughs> oh yes, I, it was actually 2018. Uh, when I had an opportunity to do a gap analysis, uh, I did a lot of writing for magnet redesignation also as part of my job, uh, again, learning from doing. And uh, I was asked by someone that I knew to come out to California, and that's where the California link came. And so I went out there, did a gap analysis for their outpatient areas to get ready for their magnet redesignation. Uh, I also um, for specifically around patient experience. And I gave them a whole bunch of tips and also was invited back to do um, tons of presentations for all the folks. And they ate it up, metrics started to go up. And then she's like, I need you in the inside, in the inpatient world, can you come back? And she actually asked me to move out to California, but um, at the time, and still, um, I'm the power of attorney for my parents, good nurse that I am, right? Um, good Korean daughter. I, uh, I have both my parents who are my responsibility. And so uh, unfortunately, my mom passed away of COVID in 2020. And my dad is 92, independent, but nonetheless still requires um, some guidance and support. So I told her, uh, and I think that kind of made her respect me more, because I wasn't willing to jump at anything that my priority was my family. Mm -hmm. And so um, she's like, I'll, I'll take you how, however you can, you know, give yourself to me. So I started to travel to California uh, from 2018 to 2020 until the pandemic hit. And I was going living in California in a hotel for two weeks at a time, literally coming back 
doing laundry from my suitcase, putting it back in the suitcase so I can fly again in two weeks. I was always like a three hour time difference in my head, you know, uh, but that's when I realized, okay, I, I think I can make a living out of doing this. Uh, so in 2018, uh, I spoke to my tax person and um, he's like, it's very unusual for people to have a business before you actually start the business. It's usually the other way around. And I said, I don't know. I'm kind of weird that way. So I said, here's what I'm making. And um, I'm almost matching what I used to make in, in an administrative hospital role, which was unheard of. And I didn't think I'd be able to all of a sudden jump from nothing to six-figure income doing what I love to do, really having control over my time and prioritizing what's important to me personally uh, and still, you know, be okay. That it's okay to not have a nine to five, seven to seven kind of job um, and still be able to take care of yourself. Yeah, I mean, that's a great story. I love that. <laughs> um, all right, so once you you had this, uh, this account in California and then COVID mm -hmm. hit. Yeah. Um, were you able to Ugh. get um, additional business after that? Well, so I started to have to get creative again. And so after speaking to my business coach, who so encouraged me so much, um, he helped me to reimagine what cold calling could look like, because I'm not a salesperson, scares me, terrifies me to just call people out of the clear blue and say, hey, hire me, pay me, you know, um, so what I ended up doing was, uh, utilizing my warm leads, people I already know and told them my situation that I couldn't fly. And I was looking to build my business virtually at least. Uh, although at the time, I'll just say certain leaders at a certain age bracket didn't believe that zoom coaching was as effective as real coaching. And so now she's changed her mind but not everybody was up to par about that. And so I was just kind of noodling some ideas. I thought nurses are not going to pay out of pocket. That's what I kept stopping at. And I was like, a hospital has to pay for me to be able to support my ideal client, which is that vulnerable population. So I kept on asking and also just noodling with some nurse manager friends that I have. And we came up with this catchy slogan called a cup of grace. <laughs> And um, what, it, it, what it is, is it's an introductory um, sort of meet and greet and teaching people what coaching could look like at a much lower rate than I'm normally charging because I needed to get my foot in the door. And so I kept my emails to certain CNOs. I kept sending, you know, Merry Christmas, Happy Holidays, you know, everything I could, the Happy Nurses Week no response, you know, for two years, yeah. yeah, right. For two years, nothing. And for whatever reason, that persistence paid off. Yeah. And this one particular chief nursing officer also in California, but it's further south of where I normally go. And she's like, this is perfect. This is exactly what I need. I have a bunch of new nurse leaders. This is so timely. So timing is also everything. Yeah. So not to give up. 
Oh my God, it's huge. Yeah. yeah. And, you know, we always teach that, you know, if you bring people to your website, only 3% are going to be mm -hmm. ready to buy if, if mm -hmm. that. Yeah. Um, but it is, I mean, we have people on our email list for who's, who tell me they, you know, they, I'm like, they've been following you for years and I'm like, oh, okay. <laughs> you know, yeah. yeah. You just don't know yeah. how you're impacting because not everybody engages. Like, you know, if you send out an email, they might get it. They might not but mm -hmm. they see your name and they see what you're doing and mm -hmm. it might not be relevant to them at that time but that's why you keep sending them because someday it will yeah and I think uh, more than anything and what I've learned from my parents who had a business as immigrants and not speaking the language and taking a business that was failing and like my brother ended up taking it over and he is a five five star Yelp rating kind of guy and you know he never got an MBA. I have an MBA, but that didn't seem to, you know, really matter. It's really about making sure that your connections with people are sincere, authentic, um, really focusing in on their needs versus your wants. And uh, what I ended up finding out was not only was I asked to work with one department in the hospital, I have now I'm onboarding a third department. <laughs> in the same hospital oh, and, wow. and this chief nursing officer actually has a budget for coaching isn't that crazy that is crazy only in california that would happen. right that's exactly <laughs> what i said that's exactly what i said uh so thank god for that because i'm not finding that to be an easy thing on the east coast um i don't know whether people are just so super busy or just i don't know their minds are somewhere else the other thing that ended up happening sort of sort of serendipitously is a, a CNO introduced me to a friend of hers who um, does a lot of consulting and is a principal in a company. And she introduced me to a CNO in Vermont. So she's like, I think you two would really hit it off. And she is somebody who is new to her role and um, the CEO um, really wants some somebody to help with that transition from director mindset to CNO mindset. Even though I've never be a, been a CNO, I can certainly imagine what it requires to be a chief nursing officer. Mm -hmm. So I struggled with that because I thought, who the hell am I to coach a CNO? And I've never been one. <laughs> and uh, I, I love coaching with her. She's fabulous. So that was a one-off. So it's just these one off kind of communication and people talking to each other. And then I was invited to do a panel uh, discussion. And this person who was a independent coach ended up being recruited to becoming a director for organizational development in their hospital system. So he asked if I would want to be a part of their cadre of coaches. So I have an executive uh, coaching person that I'm doing for that hospital. And uh, in fact, I just um, did a meet and greet with a second person from that particular hospital system. So I have more people that I'm coaching than I would ever have imagined. The hard part about this is though, because I want to be able to reach my ideal client, but my ideal client can't pay what I'm worth. And that's always, as a coach, I'm worth this, but my client, if they're not going to pay, then what's, how do you, you know, sort of meet in the middle? And so I'm actually dreaming of some ideas of doing a group coaching model 
where I can get a bunch of people, um, maximum, I think six, because then it, if it gets too big, people can't really engage. Therefore, I am not splitting myself in six. I am one person for six people, which will be a lot more sustainable for my longevity. And what would that ideal group look like? I Well, it doesn't have to be novice nurse leaders. It could be anybody who is either, because I've coached people who have been nurse managers for 20 something years and are flabbergasted that they didn't know some things that I've been offering to them, which directly impacts their metrics, which is why hospitals will you know, pay me because ultimately they're not paying me to be nice. They're paying me to help them to you know, leverage uh, what they know or what they don't know and help guide them in a kind way. Yeah, I, I actually was talking to a nurse recently and she wanted to, to help nurses as well transition from like new grad to, you know, a role. And I was like, well, you know, they, they need that, but, you know, Not the nurses gonna aren't going to pay for it. It's no. just, and you would need so many of them that yes. you're going to kill yourself trying to do it. Yep. Um, but there is a certain expectation that the hospital is going to do this for you. And we all know that they don't, but that doesn't <laughs> stop us from believing that they might. Yeah. <laughs> you know? no. um, so, yeah, so I, I had told her, like, you need to, you can help that audience, but uh, they might be the recipient of what you're doing, but you, they're not the audience that you need to pitch. Mm -hmm. uh, and it's kind of like working with homeless people. You don't go around asking mm -hmm. homeless people for money, uh, but you want to help right. them. So you have yeah. to pitch the audience that can afford to pay them. Uh, I mean, to pay for the services that will help them. Exactly. Exactly. And it's, again, it's not something I've been taught. It's not something in nursing school that you even think about in that way. Uh, and that's why I think a business coach when you're an entrepreneur is really important and a really good tax accountant <laughs> to make sure your um, unemployment taxes are paid and all that good stuff. Uh, Cause you can't mess around with that. I will come after you. I learned that early on. Um, mm -hmm. you know, my business wasn't really even making all that much money and I got audited by the IRS and it was a colossal pain in the butt. And yeah. I was like, oh my God, if this ever happens again, I have to be you know, really Yep. on the market <laughs> you don't want to yeah. mess around with that <laughs> yeah it's it's worth it to pay someone i i pay my tax person a lot but i never have to worry they're always telling me this is what is going to be taken out of your account this is a quarterly you know payment um i have a very close relationship with my tax person and uh you know i i think especially with virtual learning now um it's also going to be important I believe, to have someone who is skilled in the virtual world to be able to do posts in social media. In fact, I spoke to um, a connection from one of my mastermind groups. I also have separate mastermind groups that are either people who are coaches or people who are entrepreneurial in nature. And they happen to be women, which I love. And we can really encourage each other, especially when we feel down and feel like, oh, why am I doing this? And you doubt, et cetera. And we really lift each other up. So she told me about this guy whose main job is to help people like me uh, leverage LinkedIn to make sure that uh, you can use their filters to identify the key person that you need to pitch to, for example, for me, CNOs. And he's like, as we're on the phone, he's typing and he goes, there's like 15,000 or 150,000 CNOs that you're not tapping into that you could possibly, you know, get work from. So yeah. uh, 
you have to spend money to make money is what I'm getting at. Um, and it's hard. And I told him straight up, I'm not really in a place right now. My business took a serious hit with the pandemic. I was doing super fine before, um, but I'm turning into somewhat of a bit of a miser because I just, man, the pandemic really, really made it clear. You've got to get your finances in order yes. and be on top of it. Right. Absolutely. Yeah. And that, and those coaches do get expensive, uh, you know, kind of like the more critical it is to have them, the more expensive they tend to start being, you know, mm-hmm. Like, mm-hmm. you know, you start hitting 15, 20, $30,000 for coaches. And it's like, Oh my God, like, yeah. But yeah. So, you know, for me, what's been happening also beyond my own pitching of myself, people just have friends people who tell people about me are really interested also in career coaching and not necessarily in healthcare. I had an architect friend and now I have a person who is a accounting accountant by nature, but really wanting to do more of a CEO role in the future. But she's in this sort of um, place of, I don't know what I want to do when I grow up kind of place. So Career coaching happens to be something I'm not necessarily qualified for, yet I've been very effective in. So just like with coaching, how did I know I'd be effective until I started to do it? And how you get better is just by doing it more. Yeah. <laughs> mm-hmm. The only way through is through, right? <laughs> yeah. 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 Unfortunately, fortunately. Yeah. And it's something that we kind of talk about in terms of like, you know, I had a coach one time who was like, you know, tell me something that you find absolutely terrifying. Uh, and at the time it was like, you know, I'm like, I don't want to do live videos. Yeah. 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 You know, and you know, I have slowly over the years gotten to a point where it's not a big deal to do a live video and, you know, Mm -hmm. I can do a one minute video in one minute, as opposed to taking one hour to do it. one minute. (laughs) (laughs) So now it's in my green zone It's in my comfort zone to do that. Yeah. Yeah. And I, that's a perfect example of how you leverage coaching. And the thing that I learned is yes, it may cost a ton of money for coaching, but if you think about where would you be without it and how long would it take you to get to where you are now? And it's really the name of the game is speed. How much can you learn as fast as you can about something you know nothing about and tap other people's brains Right. And that's kind of a priceless thing, you know? Yeah. And plus, I mean, the, you mentioned the connections. So mm-hmm. you don't get those connections sitting at your computer, staring at LinkedIn. Yeah. I mean, you might, mm-hmm. get, but how much better is it if, you know, Jane calls up Tina yes. for yes. you? <laughs> yes. 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 I have plenty of testimonials from all kinds of people. Um, and ultimately, that's why women buy things, don't we? Whether it's a handbag, shoes, an outfit, it's like, ooh, or a haircut, right? Ooh, where'd you get your hair done? Yeah. And I mean, that's how I find my hairdressers and you know, places I go. And yeah. ultimately women trust women and especially people that you know are good friends. Yeah, now that you say that, I don't think I've ever seen um, an advertisement for a hairdresser except for like supercuts or something. (laughs) Exactly, exactly. 
And so that's the same thing that happened with my mom who barely spoke English. She, um, she knew how to sew, but she wasn't quite a seamstress. And so she kind of just made it happen and um, word of mouth spread. And all of a sudden she became the place to come to get people's clothes, you know, back in the day when lapels were out to here and people wanted the narrow lapels, like, you know, in the nineties, nineties or eighties, probably eighties now (laughs) I'm dating myself. Um, So it just, it gave me courage knowing that my parents who were immigrants who didn't even know the language managed to feed and house four kids with nothing more than a basic education. And I thought, I am educated out the wazoo and what excuse do I have to not try, right? Right, I had the same problem. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, So us nurses, I think we uh, underestimate our value. Uh, I don't know if it is partly being a woman in most cases, although I'm so glad to see more men in the field. Uh, but I do find men have a little easier time advancing within nursing than women do. Yes. I think women, we get in our own way. We're also highly competitive in a not helpful way. We throw each other under the bus. There's no sense of camaraderie. You know, doctors always have each other's back. We don't always have each other's back. Yeah, no, that's true. Yeah, I, I absolutely agree with that. Um, well, Grace, let me ask you this. Is your business where you want it to be or do you have a bigger vision for what you're doing? Well, I'm working through that in my mind and, and really wrestling with it, to be really honest. It's scary to even think about what it could look like when I see other people in the media you know, who are making millions of dollars. You know, the dollars aren't what motivate me. For me, what motivates me is making a difference, helping people just to be, one of my clients um, yesterday, she said, I I can't even imagine where I'd be if you weren't with me. And I said, well, I, you were way far ahead of the curve than I was at your age. And she said, well, that's because you didn't have you, which was really, you know, I had to pause I thought, how, I wonder if I had a coach back then, if I wouldn't have been so tortured. (laughs) So uh, very, very simply, I I do want to be able to not have to worry about if I'm going to be able to make my mortgage consistently. Um, I do still, and I'm just very conservative about it. It's not like I don't have food it's or can't pay my bills it's just I would like to not have to worry about it like to have it be in the forefront of my brain all the time Um, because when you're a salaried employee you don't think about it you expect your paycheck to be in the bank account every two weeks but when you're not salaried and you're not making a paycheck and you have to drum up your business um, it's a very different feeling you have no safety net right on the flip Yeah. And on the flip side of that, I can't tell you how much happier I am with my life and how much more fulfilled I am and feel like I'm really living my purpose and really getting, getting clearer about 
why I'm on this earth and what do I have to offer? Right. No, I think that's, that is so powerful. And I mean, you had mentioned not being motivated by money and that's something that I wasn't either. And it's funny because like in the early beginnings of my business, uh, you know, I just from the marketing that they do in the mm-hmm. general public and stuff, I kind of took that language and I was like, make lots of money. And then I was like, but this isn't, you know, even no. what, I, uh, this is not what I'm trying to promote at all. Like, I, no. if you're in it for the money, it's actually the type of people that I want to repel. Like, yes, with you, exactly. <laughs> and the flip side is when you do what you love and that you're passionate about, and this has been written everywhere, the money will come in yeah. like in buckets right. without trying. Right. So that is what I'm banking on. <laughs> yeah. And and to be perfectly honest, the bigger your business gets and the more money it brings in, the more problems and issues and everything yes. else. So you got to yes. find that place where, you know, what would make you happy? And I think that's a question a lot of nurses have probably never asked. And, right. uh, you know, what is it that you really want? Because money mm-hmm. is not what you really want. <laughs> you know, I took a long yeah. while, look at myself one day and I'm like, what I really wanted to do is just sit on the beach and drink a wine and, read <laughs> book and have time for my son. You know, that's yes. That, any money to do that yes yes i mean there's only so many pairs of jimmy chews you can buy you know or (laughs) or bags you know louis vuitton bags and i i feel like you know for certain age groups that is a sign of status or that you've made it and at the end of the day where's that going to go it collects dust in your closet or whatnot or you have to give it away and I don't know, maybe it's just my age and kind of dealing with my parents passing, well, my mom passing away and having to clear her stuff out. It just made me realize, my gosh, where's my focus been? It's not about the stuff. In fact, I'm in a massive state of purging out anything that I don't need uh, to the point where my closets are getting empty, which I love. Um, and so, yeah, it's it's a whole li- like a whole thing, not just my business that I'm really working on because I want my words to match my actions. I don't want to be hypocritical in any way. And um, ultimately, if I love what I do and people are helped, then check, check, done, done, you know? I think that is a beautiful message uh, to kind of wrap up with because that is, yeah, that, that what you just said is, it just sums it all up. And I, I think that's really beautiful. So um, Grace, thank you so much for being on the podcast. Let, can, if people want to get in touch with you or learn more about your business, um, where can they go? Yeah, so I have a uh, homepage website as well as my LinkedIn. So my name is Grace Marin. I'm, I think I'm the only one on LinkedIn uh, with that name. And uh, my website, you're going to hopefully put on the show notes, Katie. Yes. And so uh, I highly encourage you, if you're not ready to make the decision to invest in yourself now, please take full advantage of what's free on my website, which is a weekly newsletter that I have. I've just loved writing it every single week. So I've never skipped a week since I started over a year ago. And I'm really proud of that. You should be. (laughs) (laughs) And I do have a um, free online digital course on there that you can take. I'm also a DISC authorized partner. DISC stands for Dominance, Influential Steadiness, and Conscientiousness as different work styles. It is powerful to know how you think versus how other people don't think and how you can leverage that information to get more of what you need in personal and professional relationships. 
So all of that is on the webpage and my email's on there. Please email me um, you know, take full advantage of what you have there. So I'm also in the midst of writing my first book. It's awesome. scary, scary, <laughs> but I'm doing it. I'm doing it anyway. <laughs> Thank you, Katie. So Thank much. you.